Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our Discord and socials. Happy listening. About a month or so ago, our youngest daughter brought home a book about budgies. Mm -hmm. And she loves to read, and she especially loves to read books about animals. And I don't know how this kid can retain so much information, (laughs) but she can just relay everything that she's read. And she became especially fond of the budgie books. And she was just bringing more budgie books. She was asking about watching videos about them and all this stuff. And she kept asking and asking, like, can I have a budgie? Can I have a budgie? And I was just like, I don't Mm, know. Like, we're very, we have a dog. We have a couple fish. And the fish are low maintenance. And our dog is lazy AF. So he's pretty (laughs) low maintenance as well. Like, I don't really know. I don't want to add anything else to it. But she was so passionate about it. And it seems like the universe is set out that she should have a budgie. And here's why. So I went to work a couple weeks after she had been asking like almost every day, can I have a budgie? I really love budgies. You know, the usual six-year-old obsession. Can I have a budgie? Can I have a budgie? budgie? Yeah. And I didn't tell anybody at work about this. But Mm -hmm. a coworker comes up to me. She's like, hey, are you thinking about getting the kids a budgie? And I was like... (laughs) how did you know (laughs) like this is so weird and she's just like well i have a cage and like some food and stuff that i'm looking to get rid of and so i was like i don't know i'll talk to ben about it see what he thinks because i really wasn't planning on getting her a budgie i thought you know you're six years old you're still kind of young to take (laughs) on that responsibility yeah and um and i talked to you about it and you were just like kind of cool with it you're like yeah maybe down the road like but having the cage now won't help for when we feel that she is ready to get the budgie right yeah so i went back to this co-worker and i was like yeah how much are you thinking about selling this cage for she's just like oh just buy me a coffee (laughs) so i was like what because again if she had been like oh i want like a stupid amount of money for it i would have been like oh okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) but the fact that she's just like have this cage have this food have all these toys have these treats like everything so that you are ready for a budgie it's funny because that cage came with more things than fit inside that cage yeah we had to take things out because it was too crowded and so then i was like okay whatever now we've got this cage for when we feel it's appropriate for her to have a budgie then we were going to the city for a couple of my appointments yeah and i was like let's just go into the pet store let's look at the budgies (laughs) it's funny because you said i want to go in and look at the budgies but i'm not going to get any yeah. And it gave me the same vibe as that one TikTok sound. It's like, girl, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do it. And then what happened? So then <laughs> and the way I said it too, I was just like, I'm not going to get one. Like, don't worry, I'm not going to get one. I'm just looking. I want to see like <laughs> price-wise, like how big they are, if they're well handled, like all these things. Like we've been doing our research. It's been a couple months now since she started being obsessed with budgies. So, yeah, we go into the pet store and there's this late, this breeder there and she's got a cage full of birds that she was hoping (laughs) to sell to the pet store. But the pet store was like, no, I can't take any of these birds. We're at full capacity for birds right now. Sorry. And I noticed one that was like really tiny. I asked how old they were. I asked the handling, all this stuff. It always is better to buy from a breeder because you know what 
their temperament is like you know that they've been exposed to children you know that they've been exposed to handling that they haven't just been sitting in a corner by themselves getting really like for god knows how long yeah exactly so the fact that she had these little budgies like young like Mm -hmm. i think 12 weeks old she said that they were and i was like okay this is really good because we want one that's familiar with children we want one that is familiar with getting handled and already has started hearing basic commands like step up and stuff so i was just like oh like how much do you want for this budgie (laughs) it was so funny because we walked in on her having this conversation with the like the person at the store being like we we can't take your budgies oh well he said to bring the budgies by and all this and then we were just like yeah but we want to buy a budgie from not the store but from this lady yeah and you were having a conversation with this lady, like, how much are your budgies? Have they been handled? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, store lady, let's go up to the front. And I I bought, like, we already had food Ooh. and toys and stuff, but mm-hmm. I felt bad that we were about to buy a budgie. In their store, in but their not store, from not them. not from them. <laughs> yeah. So I bought food, like, treats, like, just some of, like, the accessory things. Yeah. And I was like... Do you have like a finder's fee I could pay? I just feel bad coming into your store. And it was funny because she was surprisingly nice. Like, oh, she's so chill. We just want you to have the, the budgie that's right for you. Like, I don't I don't want to buy that budgie for her price and sell it to you for twice as much. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because we we did not initially intend to get a budgie. Yeah. But needless to then say, we got a free cage, free food, free toys and a half price budgie. Yeah, so it's like the universe really just set <laughs> everything in line so that our youngest daughter could have a budgie and I have never seen things line up so perfectly like this, right? Like everything is just like no, I don't think so. But then something happens that it's like this is never going to happen again. I think this is how religions start. <laughs> <laughs> We like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies because we're the bee's knees, oh yeah. Before we get into all the superhero stuff that I know everybody (laughs) comes here for, um, I want to just say right off the bat that I am a huge simp for Harry Styles (laughs) and I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a One Directioner. I've been in love with Harry Styles since he was in One Direction. And if you took Brittany, one, he was a child. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you just like really threw me <laughs> off my train of thought there. Go on, Harry Styles. Like if you took Harry Styles parts out of all the One Direction songs and like had someone else re-record them, then it wouldn't be worth it. Like Harry Styles carried that group. Absolutely. And ever since he went solo, I've loved everything that he's done. I think he's a great person and he's also really easy to look at (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because i don't disagree harry styles is probably like the the guy for me (laughs) we're both just simps for harry well and it's amazing because he just released his new song yeah as it as it was as it was i don't know the word i've listened to it like a million times so i know but it's crazy it broke Spotify's single day streaming record yeah. for anything. Yeah. Imagine if he released a whole album. Well, he's going to. I'm just saying the one song broke records. Yeah. He's going to release his album and just. 
his new Y2K all over again. His new song is what, you know, kind of sparked me needing to say this and get this <laughs> off my chest because I knew that he was releasing a new single. I had seen it on his Instagram and um, I thought like April 1st it's coming out and I'm like, oh, yes. And then <laughs> and then on the 31st, because he meant it's coming out April 1st in like the UK, right? UK yeah. time. And uh, and so it dropped at midnight. God, you're so like. I'm really excited about this. I'm yeah, I am. But because it was so just amazing for me, the moment I found out like, wait, it's out. I thought I had to wait till tomorrow, but I'm <laughs> sitting here and I'm just like, oh my gosh, drop everything. It's out. We need to listen right away. And not only did we get the song, but we had a music video right away at the same time. So we got to watch him with the luckiest girl in the world. Yeah, people like, and I said this too. I was like, man, to be that girl, right? Because... <laughs> Like he strips down to his underwear and they're just like in this embrace. And I saw on Instagram like a meme about her just winning at life. Which is funny because to me, I thought like, well, isn't like, what about all the women that he's dated and like, you know, slept with? And Olivia Wilde, how, yeah. who's in a relationship right now. Yeah. And I at first was kind of like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But then I rethought about it again. And why this girl in particular just won at life is because she's not a well, like worldwide known person, right? Yeah, it's she not ain't Olivia no Wilde. list celebrity. Yeah. Olivia Wilde, everybody knows who she is, right? More and or less, so, yeah. and her name is known globally. Mm -hmm. So she already was a larger than life person who had larger than life experiences as a normal everyday thing. Yeah. Whereas this woman, she seems and she portrays like just any one of us. And it gives us that like false hope and false security. That, like Harry Styles could embrace any of us. Harry Styles is not above your everyday Jill Schmo. Yeah. And so that's why I think that she wins at life. Obviously, she has worked hard. She's a very talented dancer and she's worked to get where she is. But she still is that like idea that... It could be me. <laughs> <laughs> could it be me, though? Maybe. <laughs> All right, enough fangirling. We have to talk about comic book stuff. <laughs> this week, we watched Punisher episodes 9 and 10. We're getting late into the season, and this these two episodes really revolve around Lewis. They are the Lewis Chronicles. Lewis is the troubled army vet who is not getting along great. Mm -hmm. He st stabbed the old guy a whole bunch of times. Well, the not just the old guy, but he was a shit disturber. Oh, yeah. He acted as though he had served for his country when he was never actually posted anywhere. Yeah. But he was talking as if like, oh, our country has done us wrong. Like we served our country and all this stuff and including himself in this thing yeah. that didn't actually include him. Yeah, he and was basically more like the poster boy for stolen valor. <laughs> That Lewis figured it was worthwhile to just stab the shit out of mm -hmm. him and just he was take him out of the picture. Deeply offended by yeah. this guy. So starts off with a bomb going off, mm -hmm. and turns out that's Lewis. He's on some Punisher-inspired, like vendetta cru crusade yeah. or something against the corruption and anti-gun people. Like with all these terrorists, they have very 
poorly thought out like motives Mm -hmm. so he thought he was doing great but literally everybody else in the episode is like what the what what are are you doing doing?" yeah (laughs) you're hurting people to it's counterintuitive and he's a terrorist and he writes to karen page which is a mistake yeah like i guess he figured that he was going to get a lot of support from her because she had so publicly supported what frank castle was doing as the punisher and um and so he kind of thought like oh she's one of us because in his mind he's doing the same thing as what castle did yeah which isn't at all the case (laughs) no and it was really funny because in that episode he has a phone call with frank he's like we're on we're doing the same thing we're we're like two peas in a pod we're just like Mm -hmm. we're cat dog (laughs) and frank's just like no you're a coward you hide behind a bomb i looked people in the eyes before i ended up yeah you know what's really funny that i found watching this is that frank tries so hard to diffuse the situation with with uh what's his lewis (laughs) so bad with the names (laughs) um yeah he tries to diffuse it at first like talking to him like it's okay man like you want to work together fine but just let like let's just stop hurting people or whatever right yeah and then he has such little patience for stupidity that (laughs) the more Lewis talks and tries to defend his actions, the quicker Frank is unable to just even put on that mask of like, yeah, we're on the same side, but let's just let this person go. And he does it both with Frank. No, I'm not going to do it. Oh, you fucking coward. Yeah. And he just (laughs) flips off the handle and it's like, well, there goes that. I see what you were trying to do, but you just couldn't hang on too much longer. Yeah, and I feel like I've started taking a, a page out of your book because you're very good at, like, noticing themes and plots and, like, uh, mirroring other characters and stuff. And I'm I'm trying to, to pick up on things like that. I loved how these two episodes in the first one where there's the, the altercation with Curtis and Lewis mm-hmm. that uh, kind of heads off with, the, like, the bomb defusing. Yeah. Um, how he he gets told it's the white wire to cut yeah how that information gets brought up again in episode 10 yeah because there's this whole confrontation where he's like yeah fine we'll be on the same side just let this guy go he as you said just like shits the bed on like actually being (laughs) able to defuse lewis yes but then he he kind of speaks to that it's a false sense of valor but like the valor of this man and he gets try the white wire so he does that then later on after he the same guy wired up this bomb Mm -hmm. frank's like it's the white wire yeah so as karen is kind of being held he he uses that subtlety that normally not great at yeah to kind of low-key get her the hint right like you said the white wire and like the subtle nods i i liked how that that thing that was in episode nine showed up again. Yeah, and, in episode ten. And Frank, despite being just a a dog let off the leash, yeah, has started realizing he's got to be a bit more clever. Yeah, honestly, these two episodes gave us so much. Mm-hmm. Like both of these episodes had me sitting at the edge of my seat and being like gasping and like, oh my <laughs> gosh, moments. Like, there's also a lot of progression with Madani. Yeah. 
and everything that she's been through. And by the end of episode 10, she has pieced together that the guy she's been sleeping with is her enemy. Mm. So there's, and they just left us at that. So we haven't even really <laughs> seen how she's going to process that. But she, now she knows. And there was that whole like gun standpoint in the stairwell between Castle, Madani, and Billy that was also just like unreal. Yeah. There's just so much in both of these episodes that was just crazy. Yeah. I remember your face during the Lewis and Curtis fight where. Lewis gets Curtis's leg and starts beating him and like you were you were leaned forward at the edge of the seat just like hand over your mouth like oh, what well because Curtis is such a pure person and the whole episode or the whole season he has been just a wholehearted human being just trying to improve or help other people improve on themselves and he's been that voice of reason for people and he's he's just wanted the best for people yeah. right and so you see this good person he could have called the cops the second he heard lewis's voice on the radio and was like i know exactly who this person is this is where you can find him like all this stuff like he could have just immediately had him arrested but he chose to see the good yeah. in Lewis and know that, you know, he is a very damaged person. He's going through a lot. I'm going to try and talk to him first, get him to do the right thing on his own terms before I just turn him in. And so the fact that we know that Lewis is this amazing person, not Lewis. <laughs> oh my gosh. Curtis is this amazing person going to Lewis and giving him that opportunity just to have him beaten by his own leg. Exactly. It was so heartbreaking yeah. i was just an emotional wreck about it because i was like that he doesn't deserve this at all like nobody that got hurt by lewis deserved it but it was especially heartbreaking to see curtis yeah. like that and to see how many people were like curtis he could have called the cops but he took it into his own hands mm. karen she could have immediately like she was very advocating for Let's just run a piece and let me say my thing. Yeah. Which, bad, bad idea. Yeah. But then Frank is on the phone with Karen. It's like, I know, like, implied, I know exactly who this is. Mm -hmm. And she's like, tell me. I'll call the FBI. They'll take care of it. Yeah. They're right here. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, nah, that'll take too long. I'm doing it my way. Mm -hmm. And all of this, I'm doing it my way, like, not optimal <laughs> everybody has that mindset of i'm doing it my way i'm gonna do it the way i see is right whether that falls in line with how society wants it handled or how the government would want it handled and to be fair like in madani's case for example she is exposed to a very corrupt law enforcement yeah so it's like well who can you trust i have to do things my way because i know that i am not corrupt I don't know if this person I go to tell or to try and get help from is going to be corrupt yeah. and potentially just kill me. Like, I, there's no way of knowing that. I have to take matters into my own hands. And this time, it blew up in her face and her partner got killed amongst a bunch of, like, a bunch of her coworkers. Yeah. And so she now has to live with that consequence of taking matters into her own, hand, own hands. But a lot of them, I think, are in that position where it's like, the law is just going to fail me. Yeah. So I need to do it my way. Because Curtis did it his way 
because one, he thought he could help Lewis. Yeah. And two, if he gave it to the cops, he knows how it would have ended. Yeah. Lewis wasn't backing down. He would have died. Mm-hmm. Like he would have been killed. I mean, he did anyway. But yeah. Karen, she did it her way because she thought it would be better to face the bully and be like, no, we don't support what you're saying. I think you're a coward and a fool. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I think it was also a pride thing with Karen. Like she was so deeply offended. Like how could this monster of a person think that I would actually support what he's doing? And so she needed to go on the record for her own personal reasons of what people viewed her or the fact that this person actually thought that she might be on her his side and you know clear the air and be like no i'm not on your side and i think that was just out of vanity yeah she's always been kind of a deeply flawed character (laughs) (laughs) in that regard and then frank doing it he i mean he went after the guy luckily he found curtis Mm -hmm. and saved that which also was help with help from david he would have never been able to know where Curtis was and to get him out of that situation if it wasn't for David, who was like, I'm going to give you this, even though I don't agree with it. I think you should let the law handle it. But I'm going to help you with this in hopes that you're going to forgive me for going behind your back yeah. and going to Madani. Yeah, so he did it his way. And then Frank's, the culmination of all of his effort, I mean, he is very beat up by the end of episode 10. Frank. Oh, yeah. yeah. So really, none of the people who were so convinced that their way was the best Mm -hmm. had their plans thrive. No, not at all. (laughs) And it's a big theme going that all of these self-indulgent, self-motivated people are learning that it's not not working out. Yeah, I can't always do things my way. Yeah, some of them don't have the means or... I guess to do things other ways like Madani she doesn't have a lot of choices yeah like you said but Frank he does not have to be this one-man army all the time going in Mm -hmm. and I think that's where a lot of David's frustration comes in is just like great here's just another person that you've decided must die yeah and he's I think he's getting kind of fed up with it because he's like I don't agree that every single person that you encounter needs to have this fate of you killing them yeah like and you can see him being like oh great here we go again frank's gonna kill someone oh shit here we go again (laughs) and and so he was i wonder what would have happened and obviously we wouldn't have gotten a lot of answers that we did get especially in madani's case and knowing that billy is the one who killed her partner yeah but what if frank had have listened to david and been like Leave an anonymous tip and say this is who the guy is. Yeah, uh, he. I don't even know what would have happened. David's also likely looking at it from like pushing his own agenda forward because David's obviously annoyed that, you know, he wants to get his own goal finished and completed. And Frank is only there to help David be able to go home. But -hmm. Frank is constantly getting sidetracked. Like, oh, here's my next target. And now because this involves Karen, he feels like this is personal because you've just you've just targeted my friend and you're not allowed to do that without making it personal with me. So now I have to kill you. And that's your own (laughs) fault. And Dave is just like, no, like, let's focus on me and my family and getting me home. Yeah. David kind of pisses me off sometimes because he is 
rightly so, very eager to just get back to his family. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times he doesn't take into account the extent that things need to be done yeah. for him to do that. He thinks, if I give Madani all these names, that will clear up everything and I can go. Right. But he doesn't understand what Madani needs to get this to be a done done deal like get everything through the proper channels mm-hmm. through the FBI or whatever intelligence agencies yeah. he's in. And because Frank has so little trust in like everybody, <laughs> he is more guarded with his information and who it should go to and if we can trust them and let's figure that out first. Mm-hmm. And same with Madani. Madani also is aware that there's someone on the inside who doesn't want her to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So those two are kind of the same in their lack of trust with people protecting themselves. Whereas David's just so eager that he's not thinking about it. And Frank actually says like, I'd rather do nothing than do something stupid. And I think that David doesn't always think that way. He thinks that this is going to be the answer. This is how I get home when it could just be a really stupid plan of action. Frank is very logical and emotional mm-hmm. where David is definitely impulsive and emotional. Yeah. So the emotion drives them very differently. Yeah. Frank uses it to drive his brutality. Mm-hmm. And David is just like, I don't know, just careless. Homesick. Reckless. Yeah. So <laughs> they make, they each make their own bad decisions. Yeah. So you know how earlier I was talking about Harry Styles mm. and how like excited I was because I got that music video and the new song? Mm-hmm. Well, you, <laughs> we all, I guess, got Moon Knight. But I say you because you <laughs> in particular, out of the two of us, were most excited for this. I just remember at the end of the episode, you were like, so do you have any thoughts or are you just going to sit there grinning looking stupid? Because <laughs> I was just, I, I was sat there just staring at the screen with just like this big grin. Like I couldn't stop smiling. Like I don't even know how to describe <laughs> your face. Yeah, I was so excited for this. Moon Knight has always been one of my favorite. I don't, a kind of superheroes because he does have otherworldly abilities, sort of. Mm-hmm. But he still is like, a, a grounded regular ish guy yeah and i feel like he speaks to a different kind of group of people because he is just riddled with mental illness mm-hmm. and a lot of us have a not perfect brains yeah and so as somebody who i don't have did but i do have ADHD and I I don't think the same as a lot of people Mm -hmm. so having a superhero who had who isn't just this perfect Captain America specimen right or Superman or something like that it's great yeah because it's a it's a good stepping point into showing that superheroes don't have to be perfect to do good Mm -hmm. which I like Um, but then also I just like it I always just flash back to Marvel Ultimate Alliance with the announcer guy going Moon Knight Mm mm-hmm And I just, I loved it. I feel like as a kid, before I even knew who Moon Knight was, he was my favorite because of that guy's voice. Yeah. I loved that game. (laughs) I remember playing that game with you. I've played that game several times and I've always had fun with it. And I love that it's a multiplayer game. Yeah. Anyway, that's off topic. (laughs) Um. (laughs) But yeah, so Moon Knight, we got Moon Knight and this episode started out, like it was a slow burn of a first episode. Yeah. And I appreciate that because Moon Knight is a 
deep, complex character. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it gave us an appropriate look into Stephen Grant, at least this version of Stephen Grant. Mm -hmm. He is troubled. He is confused. He he's got things going on. Yeah. And we don't know all of the answers to what's going on. We see, oh, he has sand around the bed. He locks himself to the to the post. He puts tape over the door. Why is that? Mm -hmm. He's sitting here talking to a fish. That's kind of weird. This guy's quirky. Yeah. He's odd. Yeah. And we we learn through him that he has strange dreams. He he wakes up places he doesn't know why. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he tries to keep himself up. He sleep deprives himself. Yeah. Um he he works at a museum. He's very passionate about what he does, although he's just sanctioned into the gift, gift shop, shop guy. Yeah. And later on we find out he's super unreliable because mm -hmm. <laughs> he'll just be gone for days. Yeah. He has no sense of time though. Like he'll find out that it's Sunday and he thinks it's Friday. And I saw something that was actually really funny because it's like the true crime here is that like this guy just lost his weekend. He gets to wake up tomorrow and it's Monday again. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, poor guy. That's the real crime. Yeah. So, but anyways, we're led into this with this assumption and this belief that he's just, he kind of gets lost in his dreams mm -hmm. to later find out that it's not that he is lost in a dream. A different personality takes over and he wakes up. Yeah. When he gains control of the body again right see i thought it was really funny how in the beginning of the episode we see that he's taking all these precautions that he doesn't leave his own apartment in his sleep he yeah. kind of feels like he must be sleepwalking or something so yeah. in order to know did i leave the apartment last night did i do something weird he's got the sand so you can see the footprints he's got the tape over the door so that you can tell if the tape has been broken you know he's opened the door yeah like all these things and what I found just really funny is that his other personality that takes the body over knows that he does that yeah. and also fixes everything yeah. so that he doesn't know that he was out doing stuff, was, which yeah, I think is just funny. like himself just fucking him, like just yeah. fucking with himself. Yeah, because he he's like, if I'm sleepwalking, I just walk right through the sand. Yeah. But he isn't. It is a conscious mind. Mm -hmm. So it's just like. Look at this fucking idiot. Like, I can just walk <laughs> over to the sand. When I get back, I will just close the... I'll put the tape yeah, back, back over the door and harness up my ankle well, again. Well, there's even... What does this idiot think is happening? When he wakes up, like, his jaws dislocated and yeah. he wakes up and he can hear the voice in his head, right? And I yeah. love that... that to all the personalities he's the idiot they're like yeah. oh great the idiot's in charge right like that was a long yeah. paraphrasing i don't know exact the exact line it goes line. on about it yeah. uh, but just like great like he's driving or whatever and it's they were so inconvenienced because he is just labeled as the idiot to them yeah. i feel like just completely incompetent just this guy is a liability yeah don't let him in charge ever well, so you, you mentioned like he wakes up. So he wakes up in just some random field mm -hmm. and then starts getting chased by this cult of whatever. Yeah. So I don't know if it's been told where he he went yet. But one thing I saw online is that 
the kind of the imagery of that matches a lot of the fictional land of Latveria, mm. which is where Doctor Doom is. Oh, like the green hillsides, mm-hmm. the castles, and stuff like that. It's very like like that Central European style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if Moon Knight is kind of taking on something in Latveria and all this, that'd be dope. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to say about that. Okay. <laughs> so you, it's pretty clear how you feel about the episode. Love and <laughs> uh, and I don't disagree with you. I think that you're... Okay, I thought you were going to be like, and I don't like it. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I don't disagree with you. Obviously, you have a stronger emotional connection to the character than I do because I haven't invested the time into the comic books like you have mm-hmm. all of my prior knowledge to moon knight has just been you rambling on and on about it as you've <laughs> read the comic books over the last <laughs> few years and um and so i i did enjoy the episode i was starting to get a little tired of the like steven character and being like i don't know what's happening what's happening uh, like this i'm seeing things i'm hearing things and just the confusion of him was starting to get tiring to me. Like, I just wanted the action. Like, I <laughs> felt so teased when he would just lose consciousness and we wouldn't get to see the action that obviously was happening when he was wherever he was yeah. fighting this cult and he'd just have blood all over his hands. These people would just be dead around him and be like, I wanted to see that. Like, see, screw you for not letting me. I liked it because it focused on... Especially when you have a character who has four, sometimes five different personalities, Mm -hmm. it was easing us into it, focusing on the one. Yes, and I understand that. I understand why they did it that way, but I still wanted to see it. But that being said, the way they did it and allowing us to have that slow build at the end of the episode when he actually does get confronted with Moon Knight himself and it's just like, trust me, let me take over in that bathroom scene and there's the mirror conversation. When he gets into his suit and just like rips apart that dog thing, (laughs) I'm just like, yes. And it was just so much more satisfying. And I'm just like, oh, it's got to end now. I want to see more of this now. Yes. So I really understand and respect their decision. I'm just saying that as it was happening, I was like, I want to see him kick ass. Is that so much to ask for? (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I don't think it is too much to ask for. Is it also too much to ask that you just wait a week like everybody else? Yes, (laughs) it is. I loved that ending scene where he's running through the museum. Mm. He's being chased by this Anubis-like dog. Yeah. And... I haven't seen it brought up anywhere, Mm -hmm. but uh, Moon Knight's first appearance was actually in a comic called Werewolf by Night, Mm -hmm. where he is an adversary foe to this Werewolf by Night character who turns into a werewolf by night. Yeah, (laughs) as many do. (laughs) And the fight between... uh, Started out not as a fight, but the, the dog creature being the first kind of mystic creature to be chasing him yeah is like that's so like such a parallel to his first appearance being against a werewolf i Mm -hmm. know they're not the same creature but it has to be a nod they could have picked many other god 
like yeah. Egyptian deity creatures to be chasing him. Right. There could have been like a crocodile a face or a cat or something. But the dog, I think, was a direct kind nod of reference the, and nod yeah. to his first appearance. But yeah, when he's in that scene, the show kind of led up to that because it, it was very mirror heavy. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the framing of him looking into the fishbowl and seeing the reflection back. Yeah. Or him looking in the mirror in the bathroom and he sees a shadowy figure of himself. Yeah. The the puddle reflection. All the reflections. There's Window so reflections, glass reflections, mirror reflections, water reflections, all of the reflections. Yeah, it, reflections were a big imagery in this. Just to, at the end, be in this kind of tunnel of mirrors that mm-hmm. made it look endless. Yeah. So all of his reflections were moving the same except for one. Right. That was independent and self-aware and talking to him. Yeah. Like... This is not a dream. Give me control. Yeah. And when he shifted, how all of the wraps came out. Yeah. And the costume just appeared on him. Mm-hmm. So this is not just some dude in a costume. No. This is some magic shit. Yeah. And then he just kicks the shit out of that dog thing. Mm-hmm. And storms to the camera. Yeah. And that was so <laughs> chilling. Yes. I loved it yeah what an amazing introduction to the costume Mm -hmm. you know it does make me wonder though how did the steven identity get so much control that they have to ask him to give up his control so probably the biggest theory right now is that mark specter who was the reflection talking to him okay who is like the main connection to moon knight Mm mm-hmm um, and the god Khonshu used to be the only person. Then he was resurrected and inhabited as the avatar of Khonshu, Moon Knight. Um, he created these se- several identities to kind of get into different places. Mm-hmm. But then through that and the influence of Khonshu, his mind shattered. And the Stephen Grant character, this everyday Joe Schmo Mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything to anybody was kind of the the innocuous like blends in kind of to lay low yeah so something had to happen where he needed to lay low right so he kind of retreated into the Stephen Grant but because his mind is shattered and the Stephen Grant identity is so mentally weak yeah he became unaware of it and but that's why that. that's why I wonder like he's so mentally weak how does he ha- seem to have the most control over the body like that the other personas have to say give me control yeah I think it's him. because they spent so much time in that identity as a hiding mechanism oh, okay that he became the it's default. just like a force of habit now yeah to be in that mental yeah. state is of Steve that's kind of the the biggest theory of people that I've seen online. Makes sense, I guess. But I'm I'm so excited to see more Moon Knight to get the introduction of Mr. Knight, mm-hmm. which is so when Moon Knight came back after kind of shitting the bed and getting in trouble with the authorities, the law was like if you see Moon Knight, shut that shit down. Yeah. So when he came back, he was just wearing a white suit with this like skin tight hood. Yeah. And 
this police officer commissioner chief was just like, ah, oh, Mr. Knight. And they're like, wait, isn't that? And he stops and he's like, no, because if you say that name, I have to stop this. But we need him right now. Oh, okay. So, so it started out as kind of just like a an alternate. Moon Knight. Yeah, it was still Moon Knight, but in this different. And then it became its own. He's more of a, a Batman detective. Right. Like as in the Batman, like how mm-hmm. he's, he's walking in with the commissioner. Yeah. Like, tell me what we've got. Do all this. Right. So I'm I'm excited to see which, like, are they going to do all the different identities? Are they just going to do Stephen, Mark, Moon Knight, Mr. Knight? Yeah. Like, it'd be interesting to see if in episode two, if it's in a different perspective, right? Like, if in this yeah. episode, what if it's from Moon Knights and we see the same scenes, but from the alternate personality. So maybe this time I'll see him kick all the ass yeah, or maybe or- not. I feel like this show has a lot of potential because it could just be one continuous story but shot in kind of a different style. Like this one was a a lot of suspense thriller because it was Stephen Grant. He was unsure. Yeah. Episode two could be based around Mark Spector and it could be very action TV show based. Mm -hmm. And then there could be uh, a Mr. Knight episode where it's very like a a detective Mm -hmm. drama so like it could be one progressive story in different styles based on who is the prominent identity at the time. Right. Who knows? I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout this season of the podcast, we've been kind of doing episodic breakdowns of different comic book TV shows. And we're just about at the end of the Punisher season one. So if you have any ideas on what show we should watch next, join our Discord. Let us know. The link is down in the description. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees podcast. If you haven't downloaded this episode yet, please do that, as well as maybe recommend us to a friend. And we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.